This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And it's the first podcast of the new year. Happy New Year! Hey! Hey! You, you can see that everyone's got hangovers still from the new year. Everyone's got hangovers still from the Wolves game. Everyone's still hanging as it is. But listen, life goes on as it is. And it's podcast night. It's Wednesday night. We're not in West London. We're not in East London. We're not in Central London. We're back in our favourite boozer, the virtual bar. The virtual bar where... All bees come together in their own zone. They drink what they want and they have proper jokes. I'm Billy Grant and I'm sitting here in the virtual bar with all my mates and I'm saying Happy New Year to bees out there. We had a great Christmas. Unfortunately, the New Year didn't quite go to plan, but it's still very early days. And I'm sitting here with my buddies. Dave Lane, how are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right, yeah. Um... Um, I enjoyed myself, I enjoyed the trip up to Wolves a little bit more than I did on the, on the way back, but um, yeah, we talk about we talk about the Wolves, but yeah, no, I'm good, we've had a, we've had a really good Christmas, haven't we? Um, I've had a good Christmas personally, I had a good New Year, um, yeah, so yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, um, feeling perky tonight, mate. Good, I'm glad that you're perked up, and we've got the Allard as well, who's sitting there in his run EMF DMC BFC shirt. How are you doing, the Allard? Yeah, I'm very good, Bill. Um, I had a good Christmas and good New Year. Um, the football was exceptional at times, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm good and ready to go for another year. Excellent. Well, it's good to hear. We have got my man, the Liberal Nick. The Liberal, how are you doing? Your man, oh. Oh, hear that laugh. I'm good, I'm good. I didn't see didn't see any live football over Christmas. Um, last last game I saw was Barnsley and then I saw uh, then I went to Wolves last night. So uh, I'm really up for uh, talking to Brentford this tonight. Excellent. So listen, we're going to be chatting Brentford. I just want to know though. I mean, happy new year to everybody. And uh, 
I mean, it's been a little bit of a downer because some of the results haven't got to plan, only one of the results haven't got to plan, but they must have all had some sort of a Happy New Year and had a good Christmas as well. I mean, I've got to ask you guys, I mean, Laney, what was your favourite Christmas moment? Over the Christmas period, um, I'll be honest with you, I mean, it's, it's been, obviously it's been a very good one for the Bees, um, you know, three wins and, and one defeat. Probably... Um, the sense of relief, I think, when the final whistle went at, um, at Carrow Road. Um, we went there knowing that it was important. Dean Smith had talked about having, you know, sort of, uh, you know, a decent points haul over the Christmas and New Year period. Um, so, you know, the, the fixtures were really, really difficult. So then to get to, to hear the whistle and to know that we secured the first. And I think that kind of really set us up to have the confidence to take into the Villa game and then um, obviously the Sheffield Wednesday match. I think, you know, each each win, um, it, it helps the confidence grow. And I, I think, you know, just also conceding in injury time and having that grain of doubt about, you know, can we hold out like, you know, like we did in the Loftus Road, just to, just to sort of like, you know, breathe a deep sigh of relief and just know that, you know, we're going to be set up for Christmas one, one down three to go so yeah probably that one but it's been a it's been a lot of highlights to be honest the Ellard, i mean what made your christmas cheery um remain saw his pass to lasse viva for the was it the second goal at, um, at um, norwich yeah the carroll road that was the moment that um that started my christmas off on a roll and um and i'm still i'm still sort of having you know dreams about it now it's well, I can see the smiles in your face there as you're, you're pouring the drinks down your throat there as well. And uh, Laney? It's been described as filthy, hasn't it, that, that pass? I've heard a couple of people <laughs> say it was just filth. Um, talk, talking of which, um, I saw a couple of YouTube videos over, anyway, over the Anyway, we should move on. The Liberal, um, what was your favourite and merriest Christmas moment? Uh, I had two actually. One was uh, listening to the Norwich game on the radio, and hearing the commentators patron start off patronising Brentford, and as the commentary went on, they realised that actually they were watching a very good team playing football, and by the end, they were singing our praises. And the second point was being able to introduce my nine-year-old nephew on Boxing Day to watching the bees on the box. Um, shame that we couldn't go there live but he actually watched the uh, Villa game with me and at the end said, that was fun, when are you going to take me to a live game? So that made my Christmas. It was like, you know, you know, Jesus and all that stuff. Yeah, it was sweet. Excellent, mm. excellent. And, and, and for me, I think uh, it was, uh, obviously, I think this period was very crucial and we went into this game with a little bit of trepidation, especially after the Barnsley game where we thought we were going to win, teams like Brentford, teams like Barnsley and all that kind of stuff, but we didn't get the result. And then we looked at the next four results, we thought this is going to be very, very difficult. Wednesday, Aston Villa, um, you know, Norwich, and obviously Wolves as well. And it's the fact that we actually kind of went into those games with the Norwich, brilliant, played really well. We went into the Villa, played very well. And then that Sheffield Wednesday game is actually very, very crucial, I thought. And the fact that we came out of that one with flying colours, which actually made you think, actually, you know, from the beginning of this month where we lost at Hull to now, 
we're actually seriously looking at the potentially going into playoff place. And for me, I was just thinking that that whole month, everything has been transformed, very similar to what happened under the Warburton era. All of a sudden, we won, I think it was a whole load of matches in November, which changed our position to be whatever, to being a sort of playoff chasing team. And we're still a little bit away, but for me, that just rounded off the year very nicely to the fact that actually people are all saying playoff hopefuls Brentford, which is all good. But anyway, we will talk about that, and we'll talk about that more, and we'll talk about people not taking us seriously as well in a little bit. But first of all, we need to actually look back at the last two games that we played. Saturday, Sheffield, Wednesday came to Griffin Park. They couldn't handle it. We absolutely did the business with them. We trounced them, and we sent them packing Tango and Co. They were crying in their sleep. And then on Tuesday night, we went to Wolverhampton Wanderers, and we went to Wolves, hopeful of picking up some sort of a point but unfortunately it didn't quite go to plan let's go and listen to the fans to hear what they had to say after the game in the pubs in the streets and in the rain thought we were totally dominant i thought they weren't great to be honest i thought they were abject at times but a lovely first goal from vbay which started from a move from bentley um passed out lovely move lovely finish and our second goal I thought Flojo, Flojo's goal he, that was coming he really deserved that goal he looked dangerous all game they couldn't handle him and that was a lovely finish um, I thought my man of the match was Mepham I thought he was assured all the way through I thought he looked really really good he's really growing into that position it'd be interesting to see when Egan gets fit again if, uh, if Mepham can hold his place but I thought it was a great performance a bit of festive cheer for the Bees yeah, I think they, they probably played better in the first half when they did have the big man because he was knew who knew who knew who he was causing a few few problems but nothing major in terms of his height's gonna he's gonna win his fair share but we picked up the second ball well we won a few of the first balls on him when they made the change second half it kind of just played into Brentford's hand I think the, the two centre backs just handled them no problem with Rhodes up front on his own so they brought the, the second substitution on and um, but there was no sort of problem there weren't no threat a couple balls in the box but other than that, once they withstood that sort of pressure, it's all Brentford to play for anyway. And the second goal, which was an important one for Josephson, I think he really needed that because um, he had a, a few chances before and he just made the wrong decision at the wrong time. Um, Mo Sergio on during that second phase as well. So, you know, I can see people thinking Josephson should have maybe have come off. But, you know, they made a decision with, with Sergio coming off for Ollie Watkins. But... You know, it's paid off. There's there's a lot of competition. And when you look at that bench today, it's a very, very strong bench to pick from. I know not even John Egan's in that match day squad, but it was still a strong bench when you got Judge, McLeod, a few others on there to, to pick from. And it, it makes a good 2018 to start with. Sergi, this has been a merry, merry Christmas for the Bees, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. So listen, three points, three games, nine points. Uh, did you ever think that we're going to get this over the Christmas uh, period? Yeah, of course, we got great belief in in the squad so i think uh, we always have uh, had belief in in getting the three points always and also i mean you're going to go back to the norwich game i mean obviously that 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 game was for you to get the three points there that meant a lot to you as well yeah didn't yeah, it? yeah 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 of course of course you could see in my in my smile after the game yeah we had no desire to get forward in the first half lump it forward to new you he's got the wrong player around him in jordan rhodes jordan rose isn't a runner off a big lad Jordan Rose is a finisher. 
2,000 Wednesday fans today sang their hearts off and we'll do that continuously throughout. You were impressive, I have to say. We'll do that continuously home and away, Billy. The problem is, there's only about two or three players that will wear their heart on the sleeve and say, do you know what, this is for them. And who, is, who, are, they, who are they? Hutchinson and Joe Wildsmith. Hutchinson, because he's looking to be playing football and he knows that, one of the best centre-backs that John Terry said was at Charlesnow when he was a kid. He retired from football and he's just so happy to be playing football. Joe Wildsmith, because he's been brought up and he's one of our own. Look at the rest of the team. And uh, I'll, be there on Mon I'll be there on Monday. I'll be there at Carlisle. I'll be there at Sheffield United. I'm just so scared about Sheffield United. So scared. Because they always want it more than us at this moment in time. And I think I, f I fear the worst. Yeah, it's hashtag teams like Brentford, isn't it? Um, yeah, I thought that you uh, you did look like scoring every time you came forward. Um, I think both goals were kind of like... I mean, you barely need to get out of first gear to score those two goals. You just waltz through our defence. Um, and you seem to be hitting form at a really good time. And you could well be one of those teams that... You know, the, the teams at the moment, they're in the top six. They start looking over their shoulder a little bit. They might just be looking towards Brentford. In every department, we've got we've got players that are able and, and willing to keep trying, and they, they keep going. They don't sulk. Joseph soon, you know, he didn't he didn't beat his man a couple of times, and he, he didn't get down about it. He just carried on and carried on and carried on. Um, I thought Woodsy again was excellent. Um, Sawyer's was class. Uh, um, Mepham, you know, I can't can't say anything other than, than praise him. And um, Bielend, you know, he looks like we've got a proper partnership at the back there between those two. Um, and Yunoris, Yunoris at, at fullback, you know, he, he seems to be comfortable there now, where he looks a little bit lightweight um, when we first played him there. So, yeah, it's looking really good for the for the second part of this campaign. Yeah, they're a, they're a really good side. And we've gone out, we've tried to play football. Um, they've just got that class going forward. You know, when they've got substitutes, two of them come on, they cost more than the whole football team. It says something. It's not an excuse, but that's the fact of life. But, yeah, disappointed with the result. But we've played all right, actually. Fair play to Wolves. They are the best team that I've seen in the Championship this season. They played really well tonight. And even, even before their first goal, I said, you know, they needed one chance and they'll take it. We didn't play badly today, but Wolves were across above. But look at it, we've got nine points out of 12. If we'd asked this just before Christmas, we would have said, yeah, absolutely fine. It's been a pleasure to come to Molyneux tonight. Wolves are a good team. They're going to go up. We are still in the race for at least the playoff place, I reckon. I thought... Bees had a lot of good build-up play, but when it came down to the final third until number seven, Flojo, came on. Is that Flojo? He came on, he, he looked dangerous, but by then, two quick goals took the game away from Brentford, but they can go away holding their heads up high against a team that cost millions and millions and millions, and are obviously going to buy their way into the Premiership, but... Yeah, even though it's 3-0, doesn't seem like it should be, really. I think Brentford did have the better of the game, but it shows when you've got a bit of class on the pitch. Um, individuals, Neves, Douglas, Cavalier, when he came on the pitch, changed the whole game. We've got, we've got the backing, we've got the money. 
got the players and got the manager. Manager's decent. You've heard it here first. Wolves have been in the Champions League in four years. I think the defending needs to be sorted by Dean in the summer, uh, in the January. I think we need a new defender. I think we we keep the possession as we always do, but when it, we concede one goal, it just always capitulates, doesn't it? Every game. It's a shame they lost, but you know what? We got three points out of the last three, uh, nine points out of the last three games. Fantastic, you know. Would have been great a draw or win today, but second half Brentford switched off a little bit. Wolverhampton what a better side. Uh, you know what? It is what it is. As long as you get promoted this year, it doesn't matter. They were a better side. They were a lot faster on the ball. They were a lot quicker. Um, they they outplayed us. So certainly in the second half, they had the stamina. But you know what? We've had four games in ten days, and if those boys are half as tired as Gerhard and I, then they still did well. I'd be very happy with nine points before Christmas. I've bitten your hand off for it. Just disappointing that we were just so outplayed tonight. I can't remember the last time I saw us so comprehensively outplayed, outpassed, outfought. Um, we were second best in pretty much every department tonight. There's no gloss that you can put on that, and I can't see any positives that I can take from it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we were competitive for the second half of the first half. Um, we we conceded a few chances in the first 20 minutes. We were probably lucky not to be two or three down by that point. We seemed to get a foothold in the game and, and then just threw it away in the second half. And, and that's what's so disappointing. We just didn't turn up on the night. Um, second half, yes. Um, as, as I said, we, we got into the game slowly. Um, they should have scored early. Wolves, um, they hit the post very early on. Bentley made some decent saves. But then we got a foothold into the game. And actually, as we went into the uh, towards half-time, I thought we were on top. But we came out, we started the second half appallingly. We were on the back foot right from the start of the second half. And frankly, it was all downhill from then. But actually, you know, if you look at it, there is some good that's come out of tonight. It's actually opened a few eyes, I think, both for the fans and hopefully the players to see how far they've got to go, to see the, the gulf and the quality that you need to win this league. We never hurt them. And I, to me, we were a little bit tentative and we're a little bit overawed, and we've come off, hopefully with our tails between our legs, but we can learn from today. Two matches, two different results. Sheffield Wednesday came to Griffin Park and was dispatched 2-0. Could have been more, but he's played very well. We went up to Wolves, and we were dispatched 3-0. And probably on paper, if it wasn't for Dave, uh, Daniel Bentley, could have been more. Two different games, Laney. What did you think? Yeah, two two, two very different games. Um, we we dictated the play um, against Sheffield Wednesday pretty much from start to finish. Um, I wouldn't say that Wolves dictated the play from start to finish, but they 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 were the dominant team out of the two. Um, the 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 roles were flipped flipped slightly. Um, after the three straight wins, I think it was always going to be very very difficult to. Um, you know, whoever we play to, to, to get the fourth, you know, four straight wins at this level is, is pretty exceptional. Um, and then, but to go to Molyneux and do it against the, the club that's really taking the division by storm is, you know, it's, it's probably was too much to expect. I think, you know, we, we, we know Brentford and what they're capable of. We know that they can play some good stuff. But I think what Wall showed me was kind of, they they set the bench. That's that's the that's the barometer there of what you how good you need to be if you if you've got any intention of winning this division. We would like to go up, so you, you haven't, we haven't got to be that good. We need to be um, probably better. Still, need to be better than what we are. 
um, in certain departments. Um, we know that. Um, we're, they're, they're, that's, that's not a secret, really. But week in, week out, we know now that we're good enough um, to, to match anyone. Now the results are going our way where they didn't earlier in the season. So, yeah, the, the two games did contrast each other. I expected more out of Sheffield Wednesday. I, I, I didn't think we would win that game going into it like in the pub beforehand. I thought that after their their win at, um, at Nottingham Forest, we all know Nottingham Forest were, were obviously very, very poor. And then Sheffield Wednesday went and lost at home to, to, to Burton um, in the next fixture. So, you know, that's not to take the gloss off what we did. We, we played particularly well against, you know, a team that, you know, should be doing way, way better than they are and still contain some, some real class players. So, yeah, it, it, it wasn't chalk and cheese, but I think, you know, the, the Wolves game was one game too far for us in general, but in that and compound it with the, that game being against the team against, you know, who are going to be champions, then, you know, it wasn't a surprise we lost. The Allard, um, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, great for us. Um, they've obviously shown that they're going through a bit of a slump, whether or not we actually kind of really stuck the knife in, but they're, they're, they're in a bit of a, a bit of a hard time. Does that take any gloss of what we did to them? Uh, no, because I think we can go back to the game before the Villa game, and um, Villa have won two since they played us, I think. Um, didn't they? Did they beat Bristol 5-0? Or, um, I'm looking for some nods. Um, so, um, you know, that's football, isn't it? You can only beat the team that in front of you, and if you beat them, you've done your job. And, um, you know, I, I, I sort of think, yeah, so Sheffield Wednesday haven't been great since, but Aston Villa have, done, have been good since. So, you know, I... I wouldn't sort of take too much or think too much into into either of those. Um, I agree with Dave. Probably um, the Wolves game just came maybe a bit too soon after three you know three games, three quick games on the spin where you know the team had um, had, had gelled. But we're not the biggest squad. I think we know that. Um, and you know I, I think we did the right thing by sticking with effectively what was a winning team more or less with one or two changes. Um, but some other sort of teams have got. You know, more of a luxury of swapping players in and out, and swapping players in and out that you know that um, are that they would consider to be sort of very much part of their, I say first eleven, obviously, but a more, a more rotating first eleven and strong first eleven than, than we have. We've we sort of we've hit on a formula at the moment, but um, it's probably a little bit too much to expect these players to play, you know, in every game and keep going. The Liberal, you were gushing after the Wolves game. Um, not gushing tears from your eyes because we didn't win, but just gushing anyway over gush, gush. Yeah, over the Wolves play. Um, you were very impressed, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Wolves were the best championship team I've seen in a long time. Um, and, you know, clearly they all go up and they'll almost certainly go up as champions. Quite interesting that actually we um, had beat them on possession last night. We had 53% possession against their 47. And it was almost exactly the same, I think, um, reverse round we have more possession than Sheffield Wednesday I can't come in on the Wednesday game I didn't see it I thought what was really uh, impressive last night was that um, we actually stayed and played football um, there were some people saying you know a very few people um, Brentford fans saying perhaps we should have sh shut up shop but I put out on Twitter after the game that Wolves were the most impressive team and that I was glad Brentford gave them, gave them a game of playing football and all the Wolves fans came back and said that, yeah, it was good 
um, we were one of the best footballing teams they'd seen down there and how refreshing it was for them not to have a team come down and try and shut up shop exactly like Barnsley and Derby did to us so you know it swings and roundabouts we win some lose some and I'm really happy and I'm pleased and congratulate Dean Smith for having the courage of his convictions and going out there last night and playing football well, I, I would say, and again, I just would like to sort of emphasise the point that Liberal, you have been a, an advocate of actually being a little bit more of a team that doesn't play this style of football as well. Um, as you my, can see, my, my New Year's resolution is to be more positive um, and to uh, look at, uh, listen to people who I know and trust, the experts on the footballing side. So, you know, people like Matt have for ages been saying that we shouldn't change our style. Matt will be very glad to know that I'm now starting to agree with him. There will be times, there will will be times in the 90th, in the 92nd minute of of a game when we are 1-0 up, there will still be times when I think we ought to be taking it down into the corner and sitting on the ball. But, you know, but as a whole as can be shown by the possession stats and, and what happened last night. Let's actually try and play football for most of the game. And you never know, playing the style of football we do, we'll win more than we'll lose. Nick, Nick, what, um, what flipped you on that? I, I don't believe it's a New Year's resolution, is it? The confidence from winning three games on the on the spin? I'll tell you what flipped me, Matt, actually. It's, it's, it's stepping, taking one step back and watching how we played against Aston Villa on the telly. Yeah. Where we stand where we stand on the terraces, you don't always get the whole view overview of the game and also you're caught up in the passion, you're talking, you know, we're we're talking to each other, we're trying to identify the players. Sitting back on a settee watching a game, you can see the style of football that you can really see the style of football that we're trying to play. You can see see the runs that, that we make. Um following the Norwich game, which again I didn't make, but you know, being able to watch two minutes later on Twitter that remains Sawyer's pass to Vibe, which as anybody has said was, you know, one of the most orgasmic things that one would ever see in our, our lives, apart from probably John Terry's mum. It was a fantastic, fantastic uh, performance. And so I am, I am switching, you know. I mean, I, you know, for, for, for me, I'm, I'm not saying it's not a valid thing to do. I'm just saying that we haven't got players to do it. That's all I've ever said. What, players, players to take it into the 92nd minute and sit on the ball? Well, yeah. Well, but, I think that's an extreme element i mean i think i think that's i think that's common sense I, i'm talking more about you know getting your second goal against villa on the sorry against sheffield wednesday in the 80 whatever minute is is more my point is that you know obviously when you get to the 92nd 93rd you got a goal then yeah fair enough take it down to the corner flag but it's just you know it's, it was more the grinding out results thing that i was reacting and the reacting. long and the long ball and the direct football <laughs> as well rangers the rangers game scarred me the Rangers game did scar me, and I think yeah. it's scarred quite a few Brentford um, fans, you know. Um, and hopefully, we'll have learned a few lessons from that. Laney, it, it does. It does show you that um, how, how poor our view is at Griffin Park sometimes. Um, I, I agree. I've I mentioned it. I've mentioned it a few times. You know, we, we're, we're stuck down in that corner. We're not stuck down there. We can move anytime we want. But that's 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 where we choose choose to congregate. Um, and then seeing it seeing it on the box, you you do see. Uh, a completely different game and you do see a lot more from some of these players as well I think Romain Sawyers has, has suffered suffered because of that I think you know if you if you see him from the halfway line or higher from above and you can you can sort of focus and kind of concentrate on what it is he's actually doing sometimes I'm not saying he's without criticism either but um, you know sometimes you, you know he plays 
balls is, is just out of this world and uh, I think that's lost sometimes from some of the vantage points at Griffin Park. Listen, I mean, okay, I mean, on a positivity front as well, and there was an article that was tweeted out today on Besotted, on the Besotted Twitter as well. We'll put it up on the information page on this podcast as well. It's on this website, which is a really interesting website, Experimental 361. And we're talking about the style of football that Brentford play. We're talking about, you know... Um, you know the positives and the negatives. We're talking about the, we're talking about possibly changing the style of football. They're not changing the style of football now. A lot of people have been sort of quite frustrated with, with the way we play. Okay, we've won three matches and we've lost one. But interestingly, this this website has come up with it's a, it's a statistical website. But he kind of does. It's almost like stats for the people, and he does these very very simple charts. And what he's done very interestingly, he pots different teams as to how they perform on the pitch, and he's got a championship shots taken versus faced per match as to the end of the, the year. So it's before the wall match, so it's uh, after the, the Sheffield Wednesday match. And quite interestingly, in the quarter, which is basically busy attack, quiet defence, and Brentford is way out there, way ahead of Sheffield Wednesday, Cardiff, Preston and Wolves, which are the other four, three teams, four teams that are in that same quarter, which is basically the best quarter for you to be in. You know, and the teams in the quiet attacks and busy defence are teams like Burton, Ipswich, Sunderland, Birmingham and Bolton. Like I said to you, we'll put this up. So what it's saying is that Brentford is basically, and, and, and they've said Brentford are creating an insane amount of chances, almost four more per match than anyone else. And their defence isn't too shabby either. There are five teams lower than them on the chart who have allowed fewer shots at their goal per match but all have created a far more modest amount in return. So that's really interesting, you know? And then they talk about attacking alone, attacking effectiveness as well. And when they talk about that is, uh, we're energetically wasteful. So Brentford are right out there, energetically wasteful. So we're attacking a lot, but um, we're, we're wasting a lot. So apart from the Blues, the likes of Norwich and the relentless Brentford attack have had some trouble um, when it comes to putting the ball in the net so far. Then it talks about defensive effectiveness, you know what I'm saying? And Brentford in this category called avoiding the issue with teams like Sheffield United, Reading, Sheffield Wednesday and Hull. Uh, so it's basically saying that, you know, our defences are so-so. Defences which are actually formidable are defences like Wolves and Preston and Middlesbrough, of course, people like that. But what is really interesting is it's put into a light saying that actually overall, we're actually not too bad. It's almost like we're there, and all we need to do is improve a few areas, basically be a little bit less wasteful with the chances that we're creating, because we're creating loads of chances. And if we actually put those chances away, we'd actually be laughing. Now, Matt, what are your thoughts on that? I just, yeah, I'm just looking at it. Um, I seem to remember we were in the busy attack, busy defence quarter for November, and we've dropped down to the busy attack, quiet defence. So that's um, that's good news. I mean, you, you can. It's interesting. Uh, and you said that, yeah. and this quiet defence, you notice it's come in, possibly with the addition of Mepham. Yeah, 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 quite, quite possibly. Um, it's, I mean, we are talking, I think it's pretty much a shots against and for something per match. So it's quite a simplistic view. Um, I know we, I mean, we've by far got the busiest attack again in December. Uh, whether we scored more goals than everybody else, uh, certainly, I mean, we seem to be sort of, 30% busier in attack than, is that, is that, have I got my maths right there? Just about, yeah, 25, 30% busier in attack than any other team in the league. I certainly don't think that definitely translates to goals. Um, 
and I'm just sort of looking at, you know, in, in terms of um, defence, I guess we have. But, I, you know, shots against, is that is that central defenders or is that defensive midfield, really? You know, where, where, where the shots come from on the park? And I know central defenders are there to stop, um, you know, to stop crosses and 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 players and that. But I do think that shots against. I think the the midfield play their part. But um, I don't want to do. I'm not sort of not saying that Chris Meppham hasn't made a difference because I believe he has made a difference. I I think it's more about um, finding a combination. Um, I think that's something we struggled with uh, in in defence, but we think we we seem to have stumbled on. Um, on, on a good on a good combination. So um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I just think it's it's good that we've dropped out of the um, out of the busy defence um, quarter and into the quiet defence quarter. That can't be a bad thing, can it? No, Laney. The, the 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 quote from the article that accompanies the charts is you know um, it's really worth reading as well. Um, it just shows shows we're in in the, in the all the positives about our play and the uh, the sort of like the, uh, the the statistics that have been drawn from from our play and our matches show that we're in in the in the right company. You know the, the teams around us are probably doing better than us in in, in the league, and so we're ahead of them in, in some respects. But the, the, the quote I love is Brentford are creating an insane amount of chances, almost four more per match than anyone else. Um, oh, the defence isn't too stabby either. I, I, but you know we, we know that we've been creating lots of chances all season, um, but we're, we're actually taking them now. Um, which will bring us on to Lasse Vibe later on in this podcast, I guess. You know, we're, we've got um, a very, very sort of potent striker at the moment. Um, someone who Matt rightly pointed out last, last week, who brings um, our other attacking players um, into play um, the way, you know, because of his style. Um, so you know we we are converting. Well, funny enough, we obviously we didn't the 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 the, the, the um the sort of like the the turd in the pool really was like last night we didn't create one chance. We didn't really, we didn't create one shot with you know, a shot on target. So that was really you know not typical. Um, it showed you what a good defence we came up against probably. So yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a, it's a, it's a positive read. It's a, it's an interesting read, and I, I like I like the way it's displayed. Um, the infographics is, uh, is you know, it's, 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 you know, it's worth checking out. Yeah, I, I, I do sort of think that I'm not sure about this four times more. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I well, think his maths four, 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 four per four, four chances more. Oh, per four match. per match. Yeah, got you. That's yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. And also, what you have to yeah. remember is that yeah. what, what he has also pointed out at the same time is that we are also energetically faceful. So even though we are great four more per match, a lot of those chances. A, we're not we're, we're not uh, delivering, and also the other thing is that what they're saying is that the chances that we're creating aren't the best chances. You know what I'm saying? So with this old XG thing, where it's just like this is a brilliant chance, we're creating good chances, but I don't know, maybe there's shots from 35 yards outside the goal which may or may not go in, and uh, and what we need to be doing is creating better chances. But we are creating chances, which is a good thing, mainly. I did notice as well over over Christmas and New Year, um, we are shooting more. Um, you know, in the in the build up. The, the couple of games before that, um, especially Burton, especially Barnsley, we were, you know, getting, we're trying to pass the ball into the back of the net. We, we seem to um, have clearly decided to shoot lot, a lot sooner. You know, Soyuz's goal um, from outside the area against Aston Villa um, being a prime example of that. It didn't look to didn't look to pass it and, and play someone else in through. They they, they were shooting first time. 
So um, I think that's 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 been an improvement. Um, and uh, you know, on Saturday there was a, it was a, there was a quite a few shots raining in from distance. I know Vibay had a had a good one, and um, and Joseph Zoom tried a couple. So yeah, you know, it looks like we're 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 trying to take shots earlier rather than kind of just playing and playing and playing and trying to play that perfect pass and then just tapping it in. Yeah, and also on a, on a final note, I want to just talk from the, the fans' perspectives as well. As you know, we do talk to fans, we do talk to opposition fans all the time. You know, we're going to talk to our Knox County fan a little bit later, AD from Knox TV as well, Knox County fan, who's going to be talking to us about the game. But we talked to Sheffield Wednesday fans, we had Tango and his crew, we had the Wednesday week crew down the pub on Saturday as well. We had the we had Spadger and them lot as well down the pub, and they talked to us, and they're all football fans. And after the match... It was very, they were all very complimentary about Brentford, and I think that's good. And also the Sheffield Wednesday fans after the game were very complimentary on social media, um, very complimentary indeed. And similarly, also after the Wolves game, I just want to talk about that. that it was almost like a little bit of, sort of hit head tapping, and sometimes you sort of think this is like a little bit condescending when you've lost, and then people go, oh, you're so good. But I didn't feel it was that. I think that there was a real general warmth from both Sheffield Wednesday fans, who we beat them, and also Wolves fans who beat us, who turned around and said, actually, OK, we beat you 3-0, but you're the best side to have come to, to, to Molyneux. Didn't you think so, Laney? Yeah, I did. You know, there was a lot of manners being shown there from the chums up and down the country. But um, although I, I would say from Wolves, we have, we've, we've seen the flip of that. Well, we, I remember we went there in the game that we lost when Andre Gray um, had that terrible miss towards the end. Um, they we we not played them off the park, but we looked so much better than them on the day. But they they managed to beat us, and we we had we had the possession, we had the chances. And I remember we weren't we weren't remarkably different to how we were last night, to be honest with you. Um, but but and their 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 fans were really really kind of like um, aggy, you know, when we when we tried to point out that we played better than them and we had most possession, um, you know it. it, it that's when you've won 3 0. Indeed, indeed. So, listen, we'll come back to that, but we're in January now, and as I'm looking out the window here, the window is open. The transfer window is open. So, there's going to be a little bit of activity, and there was a few rumours flying around at Molyneux the other day, and I think we're going to talk about them and other rumours and about the transfer window. January the 1st. The window is open, the transfer window, and this is the time where Brentford fans get a little bit tetchy. January, because things always go a little bit peaked on at this time, because people come sniffing around. We do the good job. We find these players that no one else has ever heard of. They do quite well, and then these other teams whose scouting systems are not quite as good as ours come to Brentford and they pluck these players from under our noses. And normally it's a time when we're just gearing ourselves up to actually have a bit of a decent season and we get all nervous because we think oh no we're going to lose a player and are we going to be able to replace him in time and are they going to come to us on the last day of the window and we can't replace him and all that kind of stuff so we don't particularly like January and basically we hope that January is going to finish tomorrow but it won't we've got another 27 or 28 or 29 or whatever it is days left to go of this window and we just have to keep our fingers crossed that we can keep all our players intact guys transfer window do you think that we are going to have a full house at the end of the month Laney 
based on recent years, no. Um, we've lost Tarkowski in this window. We've lost Hogan in this window, um, just to name but two. Um, we, we, we are a selling club. Um, we have got some brilliant players that other teams will certainly be looking at. Um, so all those ingredients mixed together means that we probably should we, we deserve to be a little bit nervous probably uh, flip flip that then we should have we should have some money um, in the coffers hopefully to, to, to be in a buying mode as well um, we're, we're perfectly poised to um, be pushing for a promotion berth uh, we know as well from our first season in the championship, it was this window where, where Matthew Benham wanted to um, bring in um, several new signings because his prediction was we stood a very good chance. Um, if, if it wasn't for automatic promotion, it was to be in the, in the promotion shake-up by the playoffs. So it will be interesting to see what his numbers are, what, what, his, what his analysts are saying. Um, and whether that that means that you know we we're looking to um, to to sort of keep all keep all keep all our like jewels in in one crown, or we're we're looking to bring bring more players in and add to it. So it really does it really does boil down to what what those sort of those metrics are saying. So um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be it's going to be nervy. But you know there are. We also know there's, you know, we don't let players' contracts run down to nothing if we can, we can avoid it in any in any way. So, there yeah, we know that there's at least two. Um, we know BLN's out of contract, and we know that Vibe's going to be out of contract at the end of this season. So, are, are, is there any a point in re-signing them because of their their age? That doesn't fit into our model going forward either. Um, but they're both playing really, really well. So we wouldn't want to lose them now if we could avoid it. So you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to kind of juggle with there. So DOFs are going to be, um, they're going to be earning their corn in the next month. I mean, you're talking about metrics, you're talking about figures. I mean, we do that as well. But as football fans, also we just go by gut reaction and what we feel. I mean, uh, a couple of days before Christmas, I actually put some money on Brentford getting promoted because I just sort of felt we're on this bit of a verge. So I think 11 to one is what I got for uh, Brentford getting promoted. I just thought it was a bit of a laugh, put a bit of money down, and let's see how it goes. Put your money where your mouth is. Now, um, if that actually translates, if you want to start doing the metrics and everything like that, that apparently translates to something like about 8% chance of us going up. You know, um, Brentford has probably got, if you wanted to put it down to that, probably even less chance of that going up. It's probably about 6% or something like that chance of going up. However, if you looked at what our chance of going up a month ago, it was probably, I don't know, 4% or 2%. So it's going up all the time. If we have another good run, it'll probably go up and up. And that's probably how the betting market works. So I suppose when it comes down to, if you wanted to go straight up metrics, that is that we still have a very, 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 very slim chance of going up. Small enough to actually get to the playoffs. So it's probably going to be like 20, what, 20 or 25% um, from what I can gather for us to get the playoffs at the moment. But that might change if we have another good run. and we win four or five or six matches in a row, that will change. So the fact is that we're still within the game, still in the game to get to the playoffs. I mean, we had this conversation, I think, in the pub uh, before the Wolves match, you know. Do you want to get to the playoffs? Um, if you think, oh my God, you know, we're out of the game, but we can get to the playoffs, but then we know we're going to lose anyway. Is it better to actually not get to the playoffs at all than actually get to the playoffs and lose? Or do you want to have that buzz of getting to the playoffs? I mean, Matt, what are your thoughts on that? Um, uh, yeah, obviously I want the buzz of getting to the playoffs. Plus, you know, I'm a bit of a law of averages man and the law of averages say that we're due a 
win in the playoffs. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd actually go into the playoffs, whatever happened, quite confident. Because I actually think to get from where we are now into the playoffs, we would have to be probably the team in form. I'm not sure there's many other clubs that will, could make that move. I have a suspicion Fulham might, um, just because of the way, you know, they've, they've been playing recently. Um, and, um, and, 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 like, and, like, and as normal, we, you know, we've always been, you know, when you finish in third or fourth, you just miss out on automatic promotion, then the playoffs don't always work for you. And I'm sure there's stats out there that say that um, finishing the highest club isn't necessarily going to get you through the playoffs. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. That was the question, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was the question. So just coming back to this again, I mean, there's a little bit of kind of, you know, you bring back the fandomism to it, OK? I mean, if you want to put the economic head on, you turn around and you say, these players have got to, if they haven't signed their new contracts, they have to go, we have to move them on. But if you've got a chance of getting into the playoffs, you're building up a little bit of momentum so that in two or three months' time, if you carry on doing what you're doing, you know, all of a sudden you're in the playoffs, but you're actually on a really good roll, which means that you can come out of them playoffs and actually win them. When you get a scenario with um, Vibe, who obviously is a very good player, but hasn't signed his contract um, for the end of the season as yet, and he's obviously looking around at his options, he's going to wait till the end of the month to see if somebody gives me a deal, I may move on, or I might stay at Brentford, or I might decide not to sign the contract and run my contract down. Now, is this the scenario where Brentford actually takes the gamble and says, to all points of view, you know, it's worth us even running this contract down if it looks like we're going to keep the same side together and uh, and and possibly get to the playoffs. I mean, Nick, your thoughts? Let's introduce a bit of no realism into this. Bring it bring it down slightly. One of which is that I think probably our directors of football have done their big business before this transfer window. We've got Macondes coming in, and that's the big that's the, the the big piece. They may sniff around the edges at a couple of other players, but I doubt. Don't seems to me. There isn't really that much space to bring in um, anybody else if, as you say, we hold on to Vibe. My realistic point, Vibe is a blows hot and cold. He's on a great he's on a great run. Well, was on a great run up until last night. Um, you know, it may be another four games until he starts again playing. And let us remember Dean Smith's record as manager is, you know, it, it, it we go on winning runs and then we have some, some less good results. Um, before coming back, and that's not that may be the reason why we don't actually scrape into the playoffs. So I hope, Bill, that you know you 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 haven't already banked your eleven pound winnings that you'll get from having placed your bet at eleven to one on us getting promotion. Um, there are a few other players that you know. How can we squeeze everybody into a team at the moment? If you look at it, you know we've got Dalsgaard is around, Alan Judge is there, the Ch- Chasserides, Tom Fields come back. There are lots of players on the edges of, of the Brentford team who probably might be worth moving on or at least loaning out again. Vibe, I think if somebody came in with a big enough offer for Vibe, we probably ought to take it because, as you say, we are a selling club and we know that that money will be invested wisely. It may not be invested in time for this season, um, but it will be invested wisely in the future. Having said all that... Vibe and Belend have got quite an important thing. They've got to be playing regular football at a high standard. And the championship, top 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 end of the championship, is a high standard to make sure that they get into at least into the Denmark squad, if not the team, for the World Cup finals um, this summer. So, I mean, if I were Lasse Vibe, I'd be looking at it all and thinking, no, I'll stay and fight, 
and, and fight for my place at Brentford and make sure that I'm getting regular games as I would if I were Belling. But Matt probably has got a different take on me. No, no, I think I think you're. Um, I think a lot of what you said makes sense. Um, I think um, I I do think that for I think Viva last year there was talk of a you know of a of a move, um, but at that point Denmark hadn't qualified for the World Cup and um, you know and um, and and therefore for Viva that probably wasn't something that was particularly on his radar. It's got to be on his radar at the moment, especially after the last few weeks. But what talks is it? Is it playing in the World Cup or is it moving to a, you know, what effectively could be his last big contract? Um, and I think, I think really, I, I kind of think as long as the club meets our valuation, it will be down to him as to what he wants to do. Um, I think the Marcondes coming in is interesting as well because I think if they thought, and may, I might have misjudged it, I might be wrong about this, but was there not an opportunity where we could have forced him through in on a loan? earlier at the end of the last transfer window and we decided we didn't need to now we haven't lost any players since then and we've gained Marcondes that suggests to me we will probably lose at least one player without bringing another player in um, if that kind of makes sense it's slightly weird logic but and the logic of that argument Matt is the player we probably lose is Ryan Woods not necessarily I think I think Marcondes can probably play I, th- I think we're short if Viva goes and we end up with our only sort of centre forward options being um, Mope as our only sort of out and out striker Marcondes can play up there we believe but let's remember none of us have seen him play yet um, and and then you know and then you've got Romain Sawyers playing up there as the as what was the other option so I, I think I think it's slightly I think it I think it leaves us in a bit of a mess if Viva goes but I, I, the problem is he'll probably go on the last day of the transfer window and if we don't do our business early we don't do it we, the last thing we do is go out and panic at the, at the end we just we, we, we haven't done so far I don't think we will do it again so, so there's a danger that Viva goes and, we, and the replacement effectively is Macondes and Shaivu I mean, so okay, so I mean, this, the V. So we got the V base scenario, like I said to you, and and going back to that as well, and, and Laney touched on that as well. Uh, the uh, the Chinese team did come in for him. It's Changchun Yatai, I think it was, and uh, Changchun Yatai, and uh, they they bid quite a lot of money for him as well, actually, and it fell through at the last minute. But um, it, you know, there's no there's no doubting that his agent has been working. He wants to, you know, if he, if a move comes in and somebody's going to throw some money into his pocket, he's he's thirty odd years old. And uh, he sees this obviously as his final move, his final big move. He's got family, he needs to keep his family going, looking for the old long-term pension. So that is the scenario. But also, like I said to you, the, the World Cup is a big draw for him. And he knows that, he knows our system, he knows that we're going to put him in the side. He knows he can score goals for us and uh, he can look at probably at what's happening at Birmingham with Otter and all those players there and it's gone horribly wrong and that can go very horribly wrong for him. So. The question's going to be out as to what he does, but there's not going to be any movement before the last day of the transfer window. Then after that, I don't know, maybe Brentford might come up with a deal and, and give him a one-year extension. So it gives us another year, so at least he, he plays it out until the end of this season um, so that he gets his Russia thing. We get a little snap, a, a little go at the playoffs, and then we can actually, you know, maybe look at doing something in the summer. Um, Same thing for Bielin. Uh, Egan is an interesting one. I know somebody's mentioned Egan, whose obviously his, his contract is probably quite a long contract, but all of a sudden there's sort of, a, sort of question marks out on, on, on Egan. Is there? Is there not, Matt? 
Um, yeah, you could make an argument that if Bielend was on a slightly longer contract, that we, you know, you could make an argument that we're, that the way Mepham has come on, that like we were arguably going towards the end of the last transfer window, we were sort of a centre-back over, we could afford to cash in on one and and you're not going to get, I, I don't think you're going to get money for BLM, but we may just decide to, you know, I, BLM, I, I'm not convinced he will go because I can't see somebody coming in and offering great wages um, and and a transfer fee. I just, I, I, I can't see it happening. So I, I think BLM is likely to stay and probably go in the summer. Um, so could we take a chance and cash in on Egan? It's, it's, it's possible. Um, we seem to have found a reasonable combination at the moment, but I think we need a fit left back for that. Dave, yeah, and, and, do you and think do you think that Egan's slightly frustrated that he's not getting enough game time? Could it be something that he's, he's pushing from his end as well? Because he's, he's not he's not played he's not played kind of much football right he's, recently. But he's, he's got, got he's been suffering. With, is it? A, he's had a couple of concussions, hasn't he? Isn't yeah? Isn't that play, playing his part? He's bang, keeps banging his head against things. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, and also we, we have to remember already this season we've done pretty well in, in moving on players that are going to be out of contract at the end of the season. You know, you know, um, obviously um, Yotta and Colin and, and, and Dean all went. Um, I know we're one transfer window further down the line, but, you know, does that make Vibay and, and Bielend, you know, their, their potential transfer fees if any fees we're going to get for them does that kind of dilute that a bit I'm not I'm not I'm not sure um but you know I think Bill you made the point you know are they more valuable to us compared to what we're likely to get for them if we if we stand a good chance to get into the uh get into the playoffs you know if eBay's got only going to get a 250,000 pound transfer fee then you're probably thinking well you know those goals might might get us over the line, but then if you, someone comes in with two million, it makes you think I'm an R a little bit more, I guess. Um, you know, and Egan, I, I'm, I'm hearing Sunderland are interested and Sheffield United are interested. So, you know, you know, I'm, might not be, that might be, you know, no smoke without fire sometimes. Um, so yeah, there's, there's there's there are there is competition for places now all the way through the team. So you know, as Nick said, how do you get them all in? How do you get them all in the team? How do you keep them all match fit? How do you keep them all happy? I think that's just like it's a nice problem sometimes. And it is a, I mean, it is a problem. And again, coming back to it, the, the squad is, as they say, is quite bloated. As in, we are quite full to the edges and. And with football teams, especially our classes, our players got to come. It's a balance, getting the balance right. So if somebody's going to be coming in, somebody has to, to go out. So we, you know, so we're sort of sitting down there working out who may or who may not, may not go out. Um, just just coming back to that in a minute. We'll talk about we'll talk about that. There's a little rumour that was uh, flying around as well um, at Birmingham City. We get this rumour every window as well. But there's, there's one player that every time you play, everyone always talks about him. Um, I had my mate James, who is a Shrewsbury fan. I've got, like I said, I've got Shrewsbury every couple of weeks now to hang out there for a couple of days. I've got to take my son up there and then I'll bring him back. And uh, and uh, I'll stay in Shrewsbury overnight. And I know a lot of Shrewsbury characters. And this one Shrewsbury guy I've met, James, lovely bloke, he said, I want to come out to see the Brentford mate because I thought they're really good. So he came down um, uh, to the Wolves and he saw the match and he was very excited about seeing Ryan Woods obviously played for Shrewsbury and uh, he was telling us all about him introduced him to his dad and everything like that and um, like we said to you all of a sudden you know rumours were flying around about the Woodsy you know everyone talks about him but Woodsy again people are sniffing around the Woodsy um, and there's rumours like I said flying around which was saying that a team has come in for Woodsy to 
been quite a lot of money, over five million. Um, and uh, well, yeah, that, that was the rumour. Um, obviously, did a few little checking around, and it seems that maybe that maybe maybe it might be agents making a bit of mischief, or maybe the rumour is that people are talking in certain areas, but it hasn't sort of kind of actually got anywhere further than that. But obviously, people are trying to unruffle the woods. Woods knows there's a bit of interest there around him. He knows that uh, teams are interested in him. You know, he knows teams are talking about sort of bidding quite a lot of money for him. He knows that he can have a good wage, in effect, and that is going to be affecting him, and that's going to be in his head. And that's something that we don't really need at the moment now, because there's one player that we don't need to go um, at any time, but particularly now, is Ryan Woods. Is that not right, Blaney? Yeah, he's he's, he's premier quality, and he's um he's really he's really sort of. Um, cementing a reputation for himself by playing for us week in week out he's, he's exceptional um, it's, it's inevitable that other teams are going to be looking at him the fans talk about him as you said whenever we play anywhere he's, he's, he's the one that they, the, the, you know, the, the away fans kind of identify with immediately um, he seems to raise his game um, against teams from the West Midlands as well um, so you know he, he, he hails from that area um, it would make sense at some stage, I'm sure, for him to go and play for one of the big teams in the West Midlands. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he'd love that at, at some stage. Um, I, I personally think he should wait till the end of this season, at the very least, before he, he moves on or, or, or stay with us and, and enjoy the ride. Because you know he's one of those players that can make a difference. And if, if we ever do get the chance to be, you know, in the Premier League, it's gonna we're gonna need players like him to, to help us get us there. Um, you know, there's, we have with weaknesses in other departments, but he's, he's not. He's only going to get better, I think. Um, so yeah, there's always going to be noise again about Ryan Woods, and you know, and uh, I, I guess it might dovetail into what happens with other players who are similar to him, like Alex Pritchard as well. You know, you know, if he if he were to move on from Norwich, would Norwich be interested in someone like Woods as a kind of replacement? Do you know what I mean? So there's, it, 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 his move elsewhere. His move away from Brentford might be triggered by by a, another move, if you know what I mean. It might be sort of like, you know, revolving doors in that in that respect. So you know, um, I, I hope he doesn't go in this window, but you can see you can see why people are talking about him. And it's about him making the right move as well. I mean, you know, for example, if he were to move to a team like Birmingham, not we mentioned Birmingham, we just thought we'd bring up the Birmingham anyway. If we move to bring up Birmingham, it you know. You might as well stay put because at the moment, you know, he's got far more better chance of reaching the Premier League um, at the moment um, with a team like us, or at least because we'll be the profile that we've got and, you know, actually playing decent football. Uh, even if he had to move, we don't want him to move to a better team than actually going somewhere like that as well, isn't it? It's also a good test, is it not, of how we've, because we've signed him onto a new contract up to, to, to 2020. Oh. It, does that mean that we are moving on from being a selling club to being a club that at least will demand proper recompense from other clubs if they come sniffing at our best players? Um, so it'd be a good test to see, you know, if somebody does come in, because somebody, maybe, there are clubs like Birmingham who are stupid enough to spend vast sums of money on players because they think, you know, they, they don't understand the system that Ryan Woods is playing in or, or why he is such a good player. They just think, you know, if, they, if he, he's played well against them, so let's offer two and a half million, three million for him. It'll be a good test for the club to see whether actually they're swayed by those large sums of money. Well, you know, it, again, it's, again, it's, um, again, it's Ryan Woods. 
going to Birmingham City. But Laney? Uh, yeah, I, I know. Again, as a fan, I'm torn. You know, of course, he's one of those players that you just don't want your club to sell. You know, he. he but you know, we, we, until we start filling Lionel Road or whatever, I think you know, I think we've been educated over the last four or five years now. Um, you know, you compare our club to how it was, how it was before sort of um, Benham actually started pushing on. You know, um, I think we've all evolved along. Um, it's, it's taken some fans a little bit longer to kind of um, to, to kind of embrace what, what's going on, or to kind of like to get used to it, or or you know, it, I think it's, it's been a learning curve for all of us. But to see how our club you know, operates compared to the others. You know, we, 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 we're sort of like, you know, we're at the cutting edge of lots and lots of things. So it's difficult to buy into it mentally sometimes. Um, and then losing your players is always a very, very sort of divisive um, issue, especially the best ones. But you kind of, we can only be more confident by seeing how that money's been reinvested. And, you know, you, you get rid of one good player and, you've, and we've all got three kind of arguably better players in some you know, in, 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 in a lot of cases that's happened. Um, Ryan Woods will be difficult to replace, if I'm honest with you. But, you know, if it means that we get another striker or we get three three, three better players, then sometimes you've got to take a hit. And it, I mean, just coming back to it as well, and Matt, I'll bring you in in a second as well, just bringing back to a point that you said a bit earlier as well about the value, Laney, and the fact that we're on all the track contracts and this could be all, all the um, Liberal said it about are we going to uh, hold out, you know, for whatever value it will be? And it's interesting because obviously there's a bit of sniffing around. They talk about Sunderland, you know, sniffing around Woods last summer. And the, the word that I came back is that, inverted commas, Sunderland couldn't afford him. So, you know, obviously we're right up there. We know exactly what our players are. We put them on these long contracts now. Um, it's only, if you notice, when the players have their contracts wound down that we're talking about transfers at the moment now. Um, um, but at the moment now, you know, we've got players who are on longer contracts and when they are, we can sit tight. So actually with Ryan Woods, we don't have to worry too much unless somebody comes in and offers us ridiculous money for him. You know, and what is ridiculous money? I don't know. I mean, like I said to you, people are talking about five and a half, six million, seven million pounds. You know, is that good or is that bad for Ryan Woods? But, you know, um, when, we, when we paid one million or eight hundred thousand pounds for him, we probably didn't think within two years that he'd be that value. But he is now. Now we hold on for another year and we do even better. It'll be worth even more. So that's a good bit, the Allot. Um, yeah, I, I think it's funny how you know these sort of clubs sort of come sniffing once almost these players have slapped them in the face to show them how good they are and stuff like that. And and you know, I, I we, we may be proven to be wrong, but I think we've all watched Chris Meppham and we all think he's got a future. Um, if there were forward thinking bigger clubs out there, wouldn't they be banging on the door looking at Chris Meppham? Well, I mean, you've got a very good point there as well. He's the type of player that we'd be, uh, we should be looking at if we were. Um, if yeah, we were yeah, that, that is my point. Is that is that we'd be sniffing out the Chris Meppams, not not paying a lot of money, or I'm not saying over the odds, but paying lots of money for the Ryan Woods. So yeah, so okay, so we're talking about the Woods. So just quickly, just go through the transfer window as well. Um, Left back, we are. We've got. We've got. We've got a substitute left back. Really, you know, we love him, Johan Barber. We do love him, but he's even said, "I don't really like playing left back." But obviously, he needs to play there because we've got a centre back scenario happening. He, he he did struggle a bit against Wolves. It has to be said. 
Um, I mean, Wolves very good, but he, he did he did struggle a bit against Wolves, and we do have a, a bit of a left back predicament because we have a player who doesn't quite play left back. Left back, we've got um, we've got Tom, uh, Tom Field, who's just come back from Bradford, who didn't have the best of stints out there, so he's not really a man stepping into the job. Um, so we've got a transfer window now. Do we open it up? Do we bring a left back in, or do we actually use what we've got there at the moment now? Obviously, Rico Henry is our top boy, and if you buy another left back, that means that Rico Henry is being shoved down the list, and we don't want to be doing that. So it looks to me that we've either got to use what we've got at the moment now, or we're going to bring on somebody on a loan for six months to cover that off. Um, your thoughts on that, Matt? Who can Mads Bet Sorensen play left back? Well, this is interesting because Mads Bet, when he came over, from what I can gather, he was actually a left back and also a centre back as well. I think he possibly played midfield, and the thoughts that I had. Well, the word that I had was that he was going to be coming in and slotting straight into the first team. But he came in, went to the B team, and maybe they needed to acclimatise him for a few months before he slotted in. But the vibe that I had is that, I mean, he's still young. He's only about 18 or maybe 19 at the most. But he's been playing first team football in Denmark since he's 16. So maybe the, the plan is, I know he's on the bench the other day, for, to, to start slotting him in on that position. I've not seen him play. I don't know anything about him at all. Then about the Ravens, but yeah, um, the Liberal. The other player we have seen is South's friend, Chatteridis. I mean, he, he has the potential of being good left back as well. I think, you know, we've got to remember we're missing Rico Henry, of course. That's the, yeah. that's the big one. Um, but so bringing in another left back for what would be a hopefully only a six month period, because Henry will be back with us at the start of next season, might be a bit short term. So that's one of the positions where actually left back. I think we've got enough cover. It may be a bit mixing and matching. We may chop and change who, who plays there. But again, have we really suffered? Um, people with more tactical mouse than I will know this better. Have we really suffered from having a temporary left back? Doesn't I don't think so. The weird goals we've been given away actually um, have been more problems in the centre of our defence rather than from our flanks. Lenny. Okay. It's going to be interesting um, with the FA Cup in a couple of days' time to see. We'll probably we'll probably actually see a few of these players we're talking about in action again. We probably need a reminder of of their potential. I I, I wouldn't advocate um, huge, um, you know, like um, you know, playing the whole B team. I think we need to take the competition a, a far more seriously than that, considering we're in the third round of it. We're only sort of four games, five games away from Wembley, so um, you know it's, it's a, a cup run is, is a reality when you come in round three. So um, you know I, I, I do want to see you know Chatsy come in and you know to show us again or, or field probably. Um, I think we'll see Marcondes make a start or, or coming off the bench. I think we'll see something of Judge. Um, I, I think some of these peripheral players need to be need to be sort of given a chance to show that they're first team ready I don't think we play B teams to give them a, you know give them a, you know, a blooding in, in a first a first team outing I think we, we go for the win but I, I certainly think um, our, our squad is, is 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 good enough at the moment to, to kind of make a make a fair few changes without it actually weakening our team so I think Saturday when, when we when we convene for next week's podcast I think we probably have a better idea of, of you know of how kind of first team ready or first team championship ready some of these other players are so and, and just talking about because there's a few rumours flying around again none of these are verified at all they're just flying around the internet and they're probably the agent that's been putting them out there to try and get them a bit, a bit of action they're talking about Kai Kai 
Um, again, with Silly Kai Kai here, we had him uh, all last season, you know, possibly coming back. Midfield players, a wingy type player, so, you know, we've got him coming back. And also we're talking about Casey Palmer as well. And Casey Palmer was uh, a Huddersfield, and he's had his, uh, he's been, uh, yeah, I think he's had a loan cut short as well as Casey Palmer. So we've got these two players which are flying around in the ether space, which means that, I'm not being funny, but if you're going to bring a player in, which we may not do, but I'm just saying, and this is a little bit of fun with the Basotti crew, and we had to let, we brought two players in, say, we had to let two players go. Which two players would you say oh, we need to let go? Laney. Oh, bloody hell. Um, let go. Oh, what, to, to make room for, make room for new ones? Yeah. Um, I would yeah. probably, oh, yeah, I'd come back, yeah, come back to me. Yeah, um, I, I would take a chance providing we uh, depends how far Riga Henry's away I would take a chance on Egan I think we'll get money for him um, and um, and I would I I think we have to we could well move a midfielder on in, in my ideal world there's somebody out there that wants to pay money for Josh McCracken I think he's done okay this season but um, I think if we could get money for him it would be silly not to uh, the Liberal I agree absolutely about McCracken. Uh, uh, probably Egan as well, because we would get money for him because um, with his Irish international connections. He's going to have to be Bien and V by then in that case, because purely because of the contracts. You know, um, I, I, I fully understand about Josh McEachern as well. Um, I, 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 that's, a, that's, a, that's a top shout, actually, because... Um, for all that for all that we hear he's the most talented gifted player that you know some of the coaches have ever seen and how good he is at threading a ball through don't really see it enough do we um flojo as well is someone that can blow hot and cold he's but he's he's a lot younger and i think you know he's got a lot more pace and a lot more a lot more finishing power so you know i'm still not i'm still not tired of watching him um josh um, I, I, uh, I scratch my head sometimes. So uh, it's interesting, and it's, it's a conversation that we had on the way back from Wolverhampton as well um, with, with Greville. We talked about it quite a lot, and you know, it's a devil's advocate thing. And for me, it was the, again, it was straight up. It's interesting you guys said it um, because we've not discussed this between ourselves, but it was John Egan who was quite excited about before he came to the club, and he hasn't quite done it for himself. And the fact that Mepham has really stepped up to the mark, I'm just sort of thinking, listen, you know, it, it looks really solid, and, and he still hasn't had that many games in there, and I'm thinking. With more games in there, he's going to be looking better. And I'm thinking, where does Egan fit in? Um, and also, Josh McEachern, he does disappoint me, I have to admit. I was, again, he came with massive hype. I remember when we sat there with um, Dijkhausen um, um, at the 1 over the 8. He was really excited because he played in Holland. He said, yeah, this is really great. You know, Josh is coming. So we thought it's going to be brilliant. But he just has not stepped up to the mark. We've got tons of midfielders. We've got loads of midfielders, you know. We've got, you know, all sorts of characters coming in and coming back from injury. You know, that... Need to fit in, and somebody, something's going to have to give. And I just think that we do try and slot him in and fit him in all the time to try and make it work, and it hasn't quite worked. And I think there's got to be a scenario where we just need to just kind of just uh, maybe look at him and move on, lady. 
one more maybe McLeod. I, I, I'm I kind of like you know he, I know he's been sort of ravaged by injuries and he's never really got a proper run in the team and just when it looked like he was coming to good um, um, against QPR last season he got he got Crocs again. Sometimes you know I think he's maybe, maybe jinxed at Brentford. Maybe he needs to move to, to to push on somewhere else. I don't know. I've not seen enough of him really to make a make a decision. But you know sometimes you think um, is it going to happen for him? And yeah, look. Um, that's, uh, that's a good point by Laney. I've got into panic mode about uh, about John Egan because if Mepham got injured, and then we only had two left-footed centre backs, I don't know where we'd go. So maybe I've gone slightly off the Egan idea, and I'm kind of behind you with McLeod. Okay. Well, let's no. see anyway. And the the, the, the liberal. So anyway, so listen, we shall move on. Transfer window, still another 27, 28, 29, whatever it is, days to go. We shall see. We'll probably be having this conversation every single Wednesday between now and the end of the month. We might even do one of our rather strange transfer window deadline signing day things where we do a live podcast and nothing actually happens because we don't actually sign anybody and nobody actually leaves. But anyway, but anyway we should move on. We've got more things to talk about after this time. News broke this week, and it's almost like the elephant in the room because it's something that we didn't really talk about at all. Uh, but one of our ex-managers, who is very well loved with all the fan base, Mark Warburton, and left under a cloud, as we know. That's in the past. It's moved on, and Mark's gone on, and he's had a couple of jobs. He got the dream job at Glasgow Rangers, and then after that, he moved on to Nottingham Forest, which was in the same league as us, which is a little bit close to home. But still, he was doing his own thing and it was it's still very separate. And uh, this week, the news came out that Mark Warburton was um, released from his duties at Rangers, uh, sorry, Rangers, at, at Nottingham Forest, as was um, Frank McPartland and David Weir as well, the, the trio that always go together. And, you know, we, again, discuss this amongst ourselves over a couple of pints, just talking about him and just talking about Warburton, how things have moved on between himself and us. You know, he's gone on and he's had a... He's had a career, which is, you know, which is, which, to a certain extent, has, has worked for him. He's worked in different areas, um, he's worked at different clubs, he's seen different setups, he's seen different environments. I'm different from Brentford as well, so he's, he's had experience, because don't forget, he was a very, very, very green manager when he was with us. So he's seen different scenarios, different clubs, and he's moved on as well. Um, but this Forest scenario, I mean, I must admit, when he went to Forest, I had a bit of a question mark, because I know that their owner, who took him out at the time, which is Fawes, um, was um, you know was an interesting character, and I'm sure an interesting character to work for. And I didn't know how that would work out, but interestingly, Fowers has moved on. The new owner has come on, and it's the new owner that has actually let him go for various reasons. Again, you go onto the, to the Nottingham Forest websites. We talk to a lot of Nottingham Forest fans, um, as we do, and uh, they, you know they've been telling us the reasons why. Um, interesting, the CEO. Um, has actually started to take over the transfers. So they sort of said to Frank Pollard, sorry mate, you've got to go. Um, I'm actually going to take over the transfers now. So he started um, taking over the transfers for whatever reason why. Maybe he wasn't happy with the way that the transfers were going. But that is what's happened at Forest now. There's been, you know, a couple of reincarnations of that team at different teams. And we're just sort of thinking, where does it go from here, Laney, for, for Mark Warburton because obviously he's a, he's a very talented coach again he's got his flaws everyone talks about the plan B thing um, but also at the same time he does get teams playing exciting football where do you think it goes from here? It's a very difficult one you know when when uh, you know when he when he left Brentford or you know when when um, it emerged that he wasn't going to stay with us at the end of that that first season up 
Um, I really did think, you know, the, the sky's the limit for him, and especially when he got the Rangers job. Um, you know, that's, that's one of the that's one of the dream jobs in Britain. So to leave Brentford for there was an amazing gig, even though that they were in the second tier at the time up in Scotland, and they were they were working their way back from that demotion. Um, it still showed, you know, how he was regarded in the football world. Um, and but we also saw what happened in the end was that you know the the, the McParland um, uh, aspect to that started to cause problems and the, and the and the Rangers fans were starting to question what was happening and, and the kind of players and that were bring being brought in and it was a it was an untidy end to his to his Rangers um, career um, and then to get um, a job at <coughs> excuse me at Forest all the European champions and all that again one of the best gigs in the championship um, it, it, he was he was living on um, the the kind of um, the, uh, the, the, the what he'd achieved at Brentford and, and, the, and the, the buzz that was going about his, his name and his personality and you know what, what a nice guy he, you know he appears to be and the way he talks and the way he deals with people so for then for it to, to then fail again after nine months Again, to hear some of the some of the stories on the on the on the um, unofficial websites and the and the bulletin boards, again about the recruitment, um, it does seem to be f- something fundamentally flawed there, um, and, and it's it's difficult to know exactly what that is. But it's 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 the relationship between the three of them ultimately seems to be um, it, it causes a clash at some stage. So, you know, it's whether that you see those three go their separate ways, you know, well, maybe you don't. Maybe you see them emerge again in the championship. You're certainly not going to do, get a premiership gig now, not until he, he builds his reputation up once more. Um, I don't see he'll be that um, excited about going to, to League One or League Two like Rosman's done to, to, to rebuild his career. Um, so you know, I, I guess the championship is is kind of where where he's going to pitch his pitch his kind of um, his standards. So you know, it's it's whether it's whether there's any clubs there that are going to going to have the, the money to, to kind of um, afford the time. He needs time, obviously, to to work through that vision of his playing football, take over a team that's not playing that way, get him to play his plan A, and then bring players in that you know can, can are, are up to the job. So, yeah, I, I'm scratching my head if I'm honest at this stage. Maybe he needs to take a few months out and see what happens. But yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a slippery slope now for him. He gets gets his next one wrong, and it doesn't work out there. You got you got to start questioning whether. Whether it's you know he's, he's had his best days already, which is would be sad, but you know which just shows you how football goes sometimes. It's uh, you know it's, you know it's, it's it's ruthless. The liberal. I mean, I'm going to ask you this as well. I mean, Laney said that his next move is the championship, but you know he came from Rangers to to to, 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 to Nottingham Forest, and Nottingham Forest was you know was a move which was like okay, that's fair enough. He's got a chance at this at this level, and uh, and for whatever reasons, it hasn't really happened now. The first thing you've got to ask is that what championship team will take a risk? I mean, I think that Brentford took a very big risk on Warburton at the time when we were flying high in Division 1. He had no experience at all, but we put him in and he did really well. 
Um, we know that a lot of these teams are not risk takers at all. So who is going to take a risk on Warburton? Maybe somebody will do. Do you think that it's a championship team or do you think he's going to have to drop to Division 1 or even Division 2 to cut his mustard, be given some time to actually kind of develop a team his way over a number of years? They're liberal. To answer your question in a sort of roundabout way, fascinating, isn't it, that managers, players who leave Brentford in recent years have really not... I mean, Tarkovsky is probably an exception to the rule. Great. But really, haven't really prospered. Um, because there is a particular way that Brentford run the football club. There is a particular way that Brentford play football. Um, and it doesn't appear that despite many other teams trying to replicate both the internal structures, the running of the club and the way that we play football, is that other clubs don't seem to be able to do it as successfully as we are. So actually, I don't think there is anybody in the championship. The championship is now too cutthroat. It's getting exactly like the premiership, um, particularly the so-called bigger clubs. And I'm you know, doing my bunny ears as I say that. Um, aren't going to gamble. They are not going to risk. They look at the people who are being appointed. I mean, Tony Pulis being appointed at Middlesbrough. That's a really, really strange decision. Um, Steve Gibson, forward has has a reputation as a forward-thinking uh, chairman and owner of a club. Um, but with Pulis, he's obviously decided he's had enough of um, interesting appointments, or um, and he's had enough of. Uh, managers who play football in a particular way uh, well sorry no uh, who play in an attractive way and he's brought Pulis in for Middlesbrough with one aim and one aim only and that is to get them up to, back into the premiership any which way and I suggest that this foot, the style of football that we've quite enjoyed when Middlesbrough have been playing us in recent years will go out the window with Pulis so go back so th that leads me to say that I don't think there is a place for for, uh, Mark Warburton uh, and his team in, in the Championship I think he's going to have to do what Uwe Rosler does uh, done and drop down into, into League 1 or League 2 but look I mean Rosler's done quite a good job at Fleetwood Town but doesn't seem to be going anywhere I mean you, you don't never hear his name mentioned when any of the jobs come up in the Championship um, you know and you could well be saying that, that, that Uwe has, um, has done his time with Fleetwood and good luck to him um, but he ain't being mentioned, right? I mean, again, coming back to the Mark Warburton scenario, and we talk about a situation, if you check the Besotted timeline a couple of days ago, there was a little bit of a tete-a-tete -tete with uh, the Guardian journalist uh, Daniel Taylor. Very good journalist, he's written some great stories, but um, Daniel was involved in the whole sort of press gang, kind of ganging on Brentford three, three years ago when the, the Warwick situation blew up. And he wrote an article, which again, we'll put a link on this uh, on, on the information page of this podcast as well. And we'll probably do a Twitter moment so you can follow it. But basically, um, Daniel Taylor is a Nottingham Forest fan. And I was actually quite surprised because Daniel Taylor came out and he um, advocated, he, was, he's, he basically, he backed the Nottingham Forest board for sacking Mark Warburton. And he felt that they were right in doing their job in sacking him for whatever reason there may be. And we um, put up a tweet there and we just basically highlighted the fact, we said we find it very interesting that Daniel Taylor advocated the, the, the um, Mark Walton leaving Nottingham Forest, but he absolutely vilified Brentford for what they did, which in effect was they changed their system, which Walton didn't think that he could work within. 
you know, so he decided to leave, but we got vilified for it. He vilified us about our coaching, our, 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 um, our free kick coach, and the fact that we wanted to do stats. And, and uh, I think he was, uh, he, we were, we, um, Matt Benham was, um, uh, was, was linked to or seen as being the same as um, Vincent Tan and also Salino at Leeds, saying all these madcap owners. Saying, in effect, he was sort of saying, I say he wouldn't know what they're doing, but he was sort of saying that we're in this kind of madcap owner thing who wants to do things really differently and it's all very wrong and everything he's done wrong but I thought hold on a second you know Nottingham Forest have now put their CEO in charge of scouting players and they've let Mark Warburton go now surely you know Nottingham Forest should actually be letting him um, giving him further time but they felt they hadn't to and that elder that that was a whole new conversation which like I said to you we'll throw it out there you can have a little look at but in effect what it boiled down to is that even though he defended his position, he came back and he actually, in effect, checkmated himself by saying that the article that he wrote was wrong because the vilification of Brentford um, didn't match where his views are at the moment now. There's an interesting little thread. I mean, I know that, Nick, that you, uh, you thought that you liked Matt, um, Daniel Taylor. Well, you said he's a good journalist and you felt that we were like a little bit hard on him, didn't you? Yeah, I thought you bullied him a bit, but, you know, I'm used to being bullied by the besotted crew. Uh, <laughs> that's a joke. That's a joke. Joke all right. Dave, go on. Yeah, can I just go back? I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to pull you up on what you said. I, I think it's a little bit harsh to say that um, every Brentford player that's left ha- hasn't, hasn't gone on to succeed elsewhere. And, you know, I think, I think the majority have, have missed being at Brentford more than, more, more than they'd, they, they thought they would. I think um, obviously Andre Gray, he went on to make a name for himself. Tarky ultimately is, is making a real name for himself now. I don't think Stuart Dallas has done too bad at Leeds. He's got another contract. He's probably doing all right there. Moses Odebagio had, had a season in the Prem. He got injured. And I think he's, he's really highly regarded. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a few that have gone on. Obviously, you've got the Birmingham trio that, you know, obviously they're, they're struggling there. I think more to the point is the fact that managers seem to m- miss this stats witchcraft um, and the way we analyse and and, and, um, recruit players and and identify talent more than more than they'll ever admit you know Andy Scott as soon as he left Brentford he he struggled elsewhere he couldn't you know he couldn't generate that you know that 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 knowledge you know he missed the machine behind him um, you know, Warbs again. You know, he, he, he picked. He, you know, um, well, sorry, Rosler first and foremost. He started taking the Brentford players, but when, when, once that little supply chain had run out, he, he then struggled to to find his own. And then, you know, Warbs um, again, famously, you know, he could have could have um, strengthened the team um, and decided not to. And we we bombed in the playoffs against Middlesbrough. We still we still did a good good enough you know we still made a pretty good fist of it to, to get to to get to that position but you know we'll never know that you know with a, with a bit of a uh, bit more injection that we, we could have got across the line that year so you know um yeah Wolves has struggled again without that without his machinery um around him he's, he's used McParland as his source for for signings and that seems to have caused him more more trouble rather than actually helped him so um yeah, I think I think it's the it's they they miss this this witchcraft and the, the we get ridiculed for it. We have got ridiculed for it, but ultimately, it's the one thing that without they've they've all failed. 
and the word again infrastructure which is used a lot is the infrastructure we created we have created an infrastructure we're not going around bragging about it it's just it is just a fact and i think that two or three years down the line you see where it is and it's a case of and looks like that we warburton we great and brilliant and we chatted to him and he's been great to us and at the end of the day you've got to accept that sometimes people in a business scenario you know you one person and another person say this business situation doesn't fit me and I have to go on and do my thing. So Warburton's gone right, you know, Brentford have gone left, and we've gone about and done our thing, and you have to just kind of just get on with it, because in life, that's what happens. But I think, you know, two or three years down the line, we can actually see that the infrastructure that we've built means that from no one person, whether or not that's Warburton or Hotter or Dean or Andre Gray or Tarkowski, is gonna be bigger than Brentford itself, which is the most important thing, because it's the most important thing is for us to be able to carry on and do what we do and not be scuppered as soon as one person leaves. So, you know, Scott Hogan leaves Brentford, you know, we could have capitulated, but we didn't because we carried on doing what we're doing because the system that we have enables us to do that. And I think that is what's happened with the head coach or manager scenario. And it's gonna be the same thing, I would think, if Dean Smith decided Aston Villa came in for him tomorrow, you know, I'll be a real shame because we don't want him to go because everything's nice and cushy now. But I would like to think that something else would slot in now and we'd be able to carry on regardless. And I think there was a danger that if Mark Warburton had left at the end of that season, which he could have done, and gone to Norwich, which there was rumours about the Norwich things that was going on beforehand, or gone to West Ham, which was happening and all of that, we could have been scuppered. So let's move on from that, which is like an all good scenario. And we wish him luck in his next job which yeah, will be wherever it's going to be, you know, and like I said to you, maybe it might be Gillingham and, you know, building them up from wherever it may be and taking them to the next level, but hopefully they'll give him more than nine months, which the whole point with this came about, we think it's ridiculous that Nottingham Forest have given him nine months to try and resurrect and rebuild their side and move it on to the next level. So we're talking about the Cup. We got the FA Cup on Saturday again, and... It's our first match in the FA Cup because we're in the Championship. And that's what happens in the Championship. You don't play the first round and the second round and all these qualifying rounds, which is actually the glorious side of the FA Cup that we actually miss. You know, when we see all these non-league sides have been battling for four or five months to get to this stage, it is the wonder and the joy of the Cup. And we're playing a team, Notts County, who have had to battle a bit. They've had to get through two matches previous to get to the third round. And of course, when the hand went into the hat and it pulled it out and they saw the mighty, mighty Brentford. You know, the Notts County fans were absolutely delighted they'd be coming to Griffin Park. They thought, <laughs> oh yes, we don't need Man United, we don't need Arsenal, we don't need Chelsea. We're going to Griffin Park to go and play Brentford to see the mighty, mighty bees. But listen, the problem is Notts County are actually playing quite well in Division 2. Them and Luton are right out there. We have got no idea what's happened to County since the last time we played them a few years ago, but we've got AD from Knotts TV who's going to give us the full clue. AD, how are you doing? I'm all right, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, not bad. You preparing to come down for the weekend? You've got me, I'm here, I've got the Liberal Nick, and we've got Laney as well. Hello, mate. Nice one, fellas. How is, how is everybody? All looking forward to the weekend? Yeah, we are. Well, it's nice. Well, it's, we've had a really busy Christmas and New Year. Um, and it's, it's nice to actually take a week off of, um, of uh, league action and, and, and have, a, have a decent third round cup tie. I think it's going to be a good game. Looking at your, your previous two results in the cup competitions, there are plenty of goals in them, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't know if you watched the televised. I think we didn't really perform that well at the, uh, in the last round against Oxford. Uh, 
Oxford City. I think we, we got a bit of a scare there, but uh, Georgie Grant came up with the goodies in the in the dying minutes, and uh, the dream lives on. So are, you, are you taking are you taking it you taking the competition seriously? Because obviously promotion promotion for you is like critical. It's that's that's the, you know that must be the ultimate aim for you this season, and it must be quite difficult to get sort of you know really too excited in the first and the second round of the cup. Now you can you know you can see beyond Brentford. You know if you can get a result against us, and you know there's, there's the you know with the you're one game away against the, the real big boys now. Is, is the FA Cup a bit of a bit of a distraction to you? Not really, mate. I think uh, I think the cup games come at a good time for Knox. I mean, we've uh, we've been doing well in the league. Obviously, we're up there with Luton. I was at Luton. I was uh, at Kenilworth when we drew one all, and we had a good game against them. I was away at Swindon when we unfortunately lost. Obviously, we was at home at the weekend. They got a last-minute steady penalty. I mean, Knox are a, a, a team that will go and go and go this season. They will. They've scored lots of late goals. It's been, uh, Winning games in added time, coming back from 3-0 at home down to Cambridge in the last 15 minutes of the week before. So I think you're going to be prepared to see a team. Brentford style of play is a stark contrast to Knox's. From what I hear, Brentford play a lot of nice football. So like perhaps your gas has got them playing some lovely football. Um, Knox County by contrast to hard-working, disciplined, organised. Um, and will probably... You know, at some stage, bore you to death, and then try and, and try and nick it. So it's an important game for Notts County because coming from the lower leagues, you know, you've got to um, earn your corn. And I think at the weekend, if we can get a result against you guys, I think Adam and banking on a payday in the fourth round if you can get one because it's January, it's transfer time. Our uh, friends across the Trent have got Grant on loan with us. They've got new manager. We're trying to hold on to those two lads who have massively contributed towards our success so far. So there's a lot riding on the weekend, if I'm honest. I, I like, yeah, it's Liberal Nick here. I like your, your subtle little jibe about banking on a payday in the fourth round. Because, you know, you probably <laughs> know what happens to little old Brentford. Don't worry, mate. I, I would do the same in reverse. And uh, who, are we, uh, who should we look out for on Saturday from your team? Well, in the last few weeks... Um, the gap has changed the team around a little bit. He's mixed it up a bit, but I think uh, you've got to be watching. If if if, if big if big shoulders playing, he'll he'll be a threat. He's obviously a big lad, he's got plenty of experience. And uh, George Grant, of course, has, has took the floor it so far this season. 16 goals, six assists. Um, we've got Louis Alessandra that's played recently, uh, who's been quite good going forward. He's very direct, ex-Hartley ball. Um, you know, the, the, the thing about our team is we score goals from all over the pitch. We've not relied on a, on a number nine or a number ten banging, uh, sorry, a number nine uh, a striker banging all the goals this year. Because Steady and Amiobia props up six or seven goals very steadily. Um, you know, I suppose from a goal threat, George Grant's your boy, but he doesn't, uh, for me, not in the game all the time. He's, he's just a very clever player. Um, so I think George Grant's going to be your main concern from a point of view of if he's playing behind the front two if Big Steady and Amiobi are you know, battering your centre-half then uh, he's the boy to watch out for I'm just mm. wondering, are you a big team as well and, and do you play, is it long ball do you play sort of quite direct and quite long ballish and balls into the middle, is that your style or do you mix it up? 
not 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 really this year has been very direct. I'll be honest with you, very direct. League Two is a difficult league. It's a it's a it's an horrible league, and um, you know the style of play that not adopted. Kevin Nolan plays four four two. So generally speaking, you have the two big lads up top. You might have Georgie coming in from the left to come behind them. You've got Ryan Yates in midfield. He's a he's a lad that we've got on loan from Nottingham Forest. He's very athletic. He's a very probably a bit Roy Keane-esque if you like. Um, you've got uh, Duffy and Brisbane at centre-half, two reasonably side centre-back. Uh, we play 4-4-2, mate. We get it into the area. We play on the second ball. We, we, we play for free kicks, uh, you know, long throws. It, but at times, when we've got our tails up, we can play good football. Bristol Rovers, of course, home, home first game in the cup. 2-0 down after 10 minutes, we end up winning 4-2, played some magnificent football that night. So, we have got football in the locker, but I haven't seen a lot of it this season, if I'm honest. It's been more workman-like. What's, Alan, what's your, what's your expectation of the game? Are you, are you coming to win? I think not so, I think not so enjoy going to, to Brentford. I don't uh, think they need to be worried about anything, but of course, been, they'll need to be giving Brentford a lot of respect because Brentford are a very good team. Uh, play, as I said to you earlier, played some very good football. I'm good friends with Ian McFarlane, who also is on Knox TV. He's next manager at Knox, player. Obviously, assisted, he was at Forest. He's good friends with Dean Smith, your gaffer. And um, he told me that you know we have to be very careful with Brentford. They're a very good attacking threat. They play a lot of nice football. But no, I think I'll be, I'll be ecstatic with a draw, if I'm honest. Bring you down to Meadow Lane and to get a replay and do on the replay. One player we could have back on Saturday is Alan Judge. He's been out for, uh, somebody remind me, 18 months almost with a bad injury. Um, yeah. And he's, he's just in the last couple of weeks been featuring on our bench. Um, and Saturday, I doubt whether he, I'll doubt whether he'll start, but he'll definitely come off his bench. Any good memories about Alan Judge? Good. He, he is a legend there, a lot of knots. We, we, know, we know him as the Irish Messi. Um, very, very talented footballer. Scored some wonder goals. Uh, greatest probably memory really is uh, an April game, not chasing the playoffs. We're, we're at Wickham away, uh, and we end up winning four-three with a Judgey Wildy in the, with you know, in, in injury time. So yeah, he's got some great memories of Judgey. He's a fantastic little player, and as I say, he's fondly known to his guys as the Irish method. Well, I'm sure when he scores for us on Saturday, he may not celebrate too loudly then. Yeah, yeah, we see that. And it's interesting, and just on a flip side as well, just talking about Irish as well, just news coming as well that the B team is actually going to be playing over in Dublin over in February. So on the 7th of February, they're going to be playing in Dundalk. They'll be playing the Dundalk first team. And on the 10th of February, they'll be playing Sham Rovers. Um, same day as the PE game, but that seventh game against Dundalk, we might have to have a little besotted trip out for that one. We'll see, question mark. But coming back to that, Alan Judge, you guys talking about having a trip. Lots of Notts County fans are having a little trip down to London for the weekend, aren't they, AD? Yes, mate. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we'll be catching the trains down to uh, the smoke uh, at King's Cross, getting up at King's Cross. The pub, what, what, what's, the, what's the good booze then, mate? We've, 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 people have been talking about this Princess Royal, the Griffin, obviously, the pub's close to the ground, but 
What's the, what's the friendly boozes there? Well, like you say, there's four pubs and one on each corner as well, and lots of people that come down, they want to do the pubs on each corner. What we'll do is, if, we go, if you check this podcast out, and also on besotted.com, we do uh, this podcast, we'll do a, a preview of the match, and we have a whole pub guide. There's like 18, 20 pubs that you can go to in Brentford, some by the river, some by the drown, some under the flyover, some all over the place, really wicked places, so people can actually have a really good time. Like you can talk about the Griffin, which is the closest one to the turnstile, the Royal, the, the New in all those ones as well, the Glow, which is where we drink in as well, and Nelson. There's some very, very good pubs there, so I can I can blow you away with pub information now as well. But like I said to you, besotted.com, we'll have the information. You can spread it out to all your not friend County fans. Um, they're all away friendly, so there's no bouncers on the day. There's nothing like that. There's manners, as we say. If as long as you come down there, you tip you out to to the home fans and the away fans. You have a drink and you have a chat. We're all cool with that. You know what I'm saying? That's how it goes. That's, that's, that's good to hear, mate, and I, and I knew that anyway. I've spoken to our friend Mark Webster. He said you'd be, you'd be in for a good day out, which is what we're looking for. Indeed. So, listen, we're going to go around the table now as well. It's the FA Cup, so it's very important because at the end of the day, as much as we love playing each other, we love playing Notts County, you love playing us, we're looking to the next round for the Men United's or the Chelsea or the Arsenal's so that we can embarrass them. So, want to know, guys, around the table, first of all, Laney, give us a score prediction. I'm going two one B's. I think I think um, we should be we should be too strong. Um, I know we're gonna we'll probably make some changes. Knots uh, will probably make a few changes too. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think we'll edge it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm certainly taking nothing for granted. Two one Brentford. Okay, the Liberal Nick. Absolutely no disrespect whatsoever to Notts County, um, but we will probably play our A minus team rather than our A plus team. Um, and hearing what was said earlier about them being uh, quite, uh, you know, uh, that they can bore you occasionally. We've in the past had difficulty breaking teams like that down. So I think it'll be a close game. One nil victory for the Bees. And, and before I do one, as an AD does one as well, and we're talking about the team as well, just quickly, guys, who do you think is going to be playing or who should be playing in this team as well for Brentford? Because AD's talked about the players for Notts County, but who do we think is going to be playing on, in this game? I mean, V-Bay will probably won't be playing in this game, will he? Uh, Marcondes will be in the side most probably. We'll talk about Theo Tietadouris on the left-back as well. Mepham probably will be playing as well. I mean, Laney, have you got any ideas? Yeah, I I, 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 I agree with you about Chatsy. I think he, I think he, he probably deserves a, a, a start at left back. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think we'll, um, I don't think we'll see Ollie Watkins. I don't think we'll see Lassie Vibe. I think Marcondes, whether he starts or comes off the bench, but they can't have surely can't have both Marcondes and Judge coming off the bench. I think, I think we've been waiting for Marcondes to arrive for long enough for him to get a start. More pay will probably start. Um, yeah, so yeah, you're right. It won't. I, I think it will be a sort of an A minus rather than. It certainly might be a B team. We we we, we give Notts County far more far more props than that. Um, it'd be interesting because I know you know steady. He, he, he likes an FA Cup upset as well, doesn't he? After his um, Bradford performance at Chelsea a few years ago, so uh, you know they've got they've got the pedigree there to do a proper job on us. So um, yeah, I, 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 I think. I think it won't be a, like a wholesale change, but I think um, I'm looking forward to seeing Macondes. I think he should start. And I'll throw one other name into the mix. Is I think Lewis McLeod should might start as well. 
which is uh, interesting, which is good and bad for Notts County because at the end of the day, it's not our regular first team, but also it's players who are very enthusiastic and eager to prove their point as well. And uh, Mokocho, somebody Mokocho will probably start yeah, as well. Mokocho will probably start again, probably the way that Sheffield, Notts uh, uh, County are playing. So maybe Mokocho will start with he's a, a bit more of a midfield general as well. And uh, we'll see how that goes. But for myself, AD, I just want to know, what's your score prediction? I'm actually going to go for a dead one, mate. I'm going to go for a 2-2, and I'm going to go for a replay. Um, I think uh, I think Notts have got, got it in them together. I've got a result at uh, a different part, to be honest. Oh, that's all right. Not, not even a good place to go. Yeah, it is. Even on a, Tuesday, even on a cold January, Tuesday night. And, uh, and for myself, I'm going to go straight up 2-0. I think that we're going to get the players in enthusiasm and we're going to, uh, to lock this down because we need to get a cup run this season. Even though saying that, with our recent sort of near playoff sort of kind of positioning, maybe, you know, the cup run might confuse things. But no, we need to have a cup run. We haven't had one for ages. But listen. But anyway, listen, AD, it's really good to chat to you and we'll catch you up and all your crew for a drink on Saturday. We'll give you all the information on where to go. Like I said to you, we've dropped a few pub names there as well and besottedcop.com is the name where to go. But this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. We're the start of the new year, not as well as we have liked to. Wolverhampton Wanderers, we put that behind us and we remember the other games that we won and we'll look forward to this year and we just think, actually, let's just keep motoring on. FA Cup on Saturday, a whole load of new players in the side and we look forward to seeing them, especially Emiliano Marcondes, hopefully, make a start for Brentford and hopefully the 18 goals that he scored in Denmark in the last three months will carry on at Griffin Park. But we'll go on, go to iTunes, give us a big thumbs up Give us a, uh, a report to say that you love the Besotted podcast and it'll go up there in the ratings and everyone will be very, very happy. But other than that, Notts County are coming on Saturday. We haven't seen them for ages. We remember Ray Bigger, don't we? Ray Bigger, he was the man that actually sent us down when we played Notts County when he played 35 minutes of extra time back in that. We never forget these things or we may have to pay them back on Saturday. But as we say, as we go to the game on Saturday, come on, Les, as we say, and you, AD, join come in as well. On. Come on, you <laughs> The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure 24 7 365 days of the year let's all take a moment to talk more than football away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans